0: We're in a series. Oh, I got to do this. I keep forgetting to do this. Oh, wait a minute. Throw that one up. Ah, there we go. See, we're training a whole new crew back there, so it's kind of fun. Ah, so they're helping us out. Yeah, Cooper's back here today. But, uh, uh, fruit of the spirit, all right? And, um, basically, what happens is Paul writes to the people at Galatia and he talks about the fruit of the spirit. There's a couple of things to understand. Uh, When we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we understand the fact that when we are born, we are born sinners in need of a Savior. We understand the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a sinless life, paid for our sin, died on the cross, and offers salvation to anyone who wants to accept it. And so we understand that, and we understand the idea that when we put our faith and trust in Christ, we come to a point that we say, I realize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, what God does is, and I'm going to go to the analogy of a tree, God, in essence, takes that tree that's growing that is self-centered, self-focused, all about self, and he chops it off, and he grafts himself onto it. And so now that tree, although it has a rootstock of a selfish, self-centered life, uh, it now can produce a life that is not self-centered. It can now produce a life that is more in line with what God designed for us to be in the original creation. And so when Paul writes to the people at Galatia, he says, this is what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. And he actually uses the word fruit, singular, because he's talking about one fruit, but it has nine different characteristics about it. And so when Paul explains to him, so we've been talking about these are not things that you have to go out and get These are things that God has already provided that you can develop in your life. So uh, he's got the list here. The fruit of the Spirit is, and we kind of grouped them in groups of three, love, joy, peace. Love, you can act in a loving way even though people are unloving towards you. You have the ability to do that. I have the ability to do that. Um, Joy. You have the ability to have joy in spite of the circumstances or situations you find yourself in. Your joy or your happiness does not have to be dependent upon what happens. It can, you can, so you can have people going through very difficult times and still have a spirit of joy. Um, peace. Your whole life can be in turmoil, and yet you can have peace. God gives you the challenge, and, and you've watched this. You've watched people go through some horrendous things, and you've seen this peace that, in which they respond in, in, in difficult times. We talked about the idea of forbearance. That's the idea of patience. And God gives us the ability, God wants us to develop and, and, and act in ways that are patient. In our fast-paced, Amazon-delivers-next-day kind of world, you can be patient, you know. I, I mean, my, our UPS guy, you know, Randy and I are friends. And, and so, you know, in fact, I, here's how, here's how crazy it got. I, I realized I, had a, I have a little mini fridge that I keep out of my shop, and I thought, why am I keeping it out there? So I move my mini fridge to the garage, so that so that my UPS guy, because I'm near the end of his route, can can you know so I have I have water, Dr Pepper, and uh, Gatorade in there, so that you know Randy and Randy knows this is your fridge too, Uh, and uh, so anyway, but um, you know he he understands. I've told him. I said Randy, I said, there's nothing that I ever need. If you want to skip me and just go home, I'm okay with that. Deliver it the next day. Now, UPS is not happy with them doing that. They don't let them do that. But, you know, I try to explain to them, look, I, I, I can be patient. I can wait, you know, I mean, God forbid two days, uh, you know, for something. But, I mean, that's the world. But we're in this impatient world that, you know, and, 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 and I've found that often God tries to teach us patience. You know, for me, for me, the way it happens is, when I'm in the fast food thing, and they say, it's gonna be a few minutes, will you pull up there? And that happened this week. And I smiled and said, yes, I'd be happy to. And I pulled up there, and I thought, God, I'm in the fast food line for a reason, you know, but patience. We, we can have patience. We, we're a pretty impatient culture. He talks about the idea here of kindness we in a world that's incredibly unkind. And as Christians, we have the ability and we to, to, to be kind, and we should. We talked about that idea of um, hesed, the idea, Old Testament idea of, of, of God being uh, kind to us and showing mercy and grace. And then the idea of goodness. And that, look, we have to acknowledge the fact that we serve an incredibly good God. God has been incredibly gracious to us. We live in a country that, Most of the world longs to try to get into. We have clean. We we flush our toilets with cleaner water than most people drink in this world. We we go to like this morning. I you know you went to a refrigerator full of food. You opened a pantry full of food. You went to a closet and had to choose what to wear. You know, well God has been incredibly good to us. You you and many of you you got to pick which car to drive. And it started. And it got here. And you know, as it gets colder, some of you are gonna get into cars that are cold and you're gonna to touch a little button so that the seat warms up for you. I have friends that have motorcycles that the hand grips are heated. And I'm going, if I have to turn on the hand grip heater, I'm not riding my motorcycle. It's pretty simple, you know. 55 miles an hour, you know, when you got to have heated hand grips, is not going to be a fun ride in my book. So anyway, but that, that's where we are. God's been incredibly good to us. This morning we're going to talk about the next one, which is faithfulness or uh, faith. Some of your versions are going to say faith. And so there's a lot of misconceptions about this. So I kind of want to dive into this thing and make some observations and talk about some things. And then we're going to jump into what the scripture says. So let's understand, first and foremost... Everyone has faith in something. Okay? Some people go, you know, that faith thing's not for me. No, 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 you have faith in your, really what you have is you have faith in yourself that you know enough to be able to know everything. Faith is something everyone, you have faith in something. Everybody here does. And it might be just the fact that you think, uh, what you think or what you believe, but we all have some element of faith in our lives. You have to. Let's understand what it's not. Okay, and then I'm going to get into specifically what it is. Here's what it's not. It is not experience. All right, we're, we're in a world that makes faith this experiential thing. It's a circumstantial thing where it's like, okay, you know, um, if my circumstances are right, then I'm going to follow God, and if it's not, then I won't. Um, for some, it, it's not this power or force. We get this idea that that it's this um, this kind of uh, ethereal thing that's out there, you know. Well, you know, if you just had more faith, whatever that is, um, faith, the importance of faith is not the size of your faith as much as it is the object of your faith. What is it that you have your faith in? Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna spin that down a little bit. Um, it's not a formula. People, people wanna make this out to be some formula. Okay, you need to go do these like three things and then you'll have more faith. It's, that's not what it is. Um, incredibly, faith is not complicated. We have made it incredibly complicated in our society. We're going to try to spin it down and boil it all down today. Here's, here, It's used, the idea of faith and faithfulness is used about 336 times in your Bible. Okay. Um, when you get to the New Testament, which is primarily written in the Greek language, the words faith and faithfulness are one and the same in the Greek world. So they, they don't make a distinction between faith and faithfulness. It, it's kind of a, they're together, they're the same thing. So that's why often in your Bible, you'll see them interchanged in different translations or different versions. Uh, Some some will say faith, some will say faithfulness. Uh, Some of you, for the fruit of the Spirit, it'll say faithfulness, and other times it'll just say, uh, I think King James just says faith. Um, There's two aspects of faith, and so let's make sure we understand which one we're talking about. The first is, and and I'm going to paint with a broad brush, what we would call intellectual faith. This is where um, by faith you are saved through grace, okay? This, what we're talking about here is the decision to put your faith and trust in Christ. In fact, we used, I just used the word faith. You make an intellectual decision to trust Jesus Christ. So we would look at that and we would say, you have your faith in Christ. We call that salvation, okay? You'll hear terms like born again, saved, those kinds of things. So that's faith in and of itself. I have faith that involves my salvation, my faith and trust in Christ, okay? then you have this idea of that you see a lot in Scripture of faithfulness. This idea is more Christian growth. This is more, in in theology world, we call that salvation, we call this sanctification. In the practical world, we call that being saved, and we call this living out the Christian life. So the idea here is, in Galatians, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about this idea of the ability to be faithful. The ability to keep practicing our faith, to not give up, to keep plugging away at it. That's kind of the idea that that we talk about. So let's understand we've got two aspects. We've got the aspect of putting my faith and trust in Christ, and then we have the aspect of living out my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So let me give you a definition so that we know exactly what we're talking about. Here it is. Faith is, confident, that God is who he says he is that he will do everything that he has said that he promised to do. That's faith. Faith is the confidence that God is who he says he is. And that he will do everything that he has said he has promised to do. Now, here's the key, and and that is important. So in order, let's talk about it from this aspect. So I believe that I'm going to heaven, why? Because I have faith and confidence that God said, if thou shalt call upon the name of the Lord, thou shalt be saved. That he will do everything that he has promised to do. He's promised to do that. That's my faith. That's the action for it. That's what we're talking about. Now, here's the question. This is where people get messed up. What does God promise to do? Because you see, when you start saying, God promised me this, and God didn't promise you that, and you go down that road, you're going to get hurt. And there are people who are out there teaching that God has promised that if you do this, he will bless you materially. He will give you wealth. So, if you do this, God has promised, and so you have to have faith that God will do that. Here's the problem. I I don't see God promising that. Now, they'll take a whole bunch of verses and turn them out of context, But I have to look at the life of Christ. And I go, okay, so Christ, I mean, you know, who's more Christ-like than Christ? How much wealth did he have? The scripture says he didn't have a pillow. Or a house. So I have a problem with that. Maybe God didn't promise me wealth and stuff like that. And then I start looking at all of the Bible characters listed in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And I go, how wealthy were they? Nope. No, no, no. Oh, there's one. No, no. There are people who talked about having faith. So I have to go, you know what? That wealth thing, maybe it's not about a faith thing. Maybe it's somebody saying God's promised it. I see this a lot, and, and for good people, when it comes to health. God has promised that if I do this, if I have enough faith, I will be healed. Again, has God promised that? And again, they'll take verses. Believe me, they'll take verses. They'll take you to Isaiah chapter 53 and they'll say, see, God has said With his stripes we are healed. Time out. Information for you. For 1800 years, any Bible scholar who looked at Isaiah chapter 53 said this talks about salvation. This is not talking about physical healing. Not until the late 1800s they came along and said, hey, we think this is talking about physical So I have a little problem when somebody goes, okay, for 1,800 years we were wrong. But now, because this is popular, we're going to go down this road. And then I look at Scripture, and I look at what people endured physically for Christ. And I go, "Mm -hmm." I look at Paul, who said, I've got this infirmity. I prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God to take it away, and God said, no. Well, what about Isaiah 53, Paul? Weren't you aware of that? Yeah, he was aware of that, but that's not it. So again, you have to ask yourself, did God really say that's what he was going to do? And 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 it's challenging because we get this idea, and and, and by the way, I don't think there's anything more cruel you can do to a person who is going through physical sickness and walk up to them and say, the reason you are sick is because you don't have enough faith. I don't think there's anything more cruel you can do to a person. And when I look at healing in the New Testament, here's what I find. I find situations in which people were healed because of their faith. I find situations like the guy who came down through the roof, he was healed because of their faith, somebody else's faith. And then there's a story where Jesus heals somebody who had no faith. That's what scripture teaches. So I have a very hard time going, you know, let's, okay, you're sick, let's make it a faith issue. Because again, we throw this term around a lot. Confidence that God is who he says he is. Can God heal? Yes. Has God promised he will always heal? No. So I, get, I have a problem going, you know, do, am I going to ask for healing? Yeah. I, I, my buddy had colon cancer five times. In 25 years, I prayed for healing. I don't have any problem praying for healing. But I'm not going to back God into a corner and say this is what you have to do, God. Because I can't see that God has promised, has, is giving me a promise that's what he will do so you need to understand this as we get into this faith thing so um let's dive into it and then let's understand look just because you're a christian doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen as scripture says the rain falls on the just and the unjust you know uh, it, it, life is life and life happens to all of us and for us to sit back and go okay because I'm a Christian I deserve a special kind of life from God that's, that doesn't work like that it doesn't work like that so let's understand as we go to it so first thing here we go oh, oh no wait a minute. did I do this right okay how did I did I skip that wait a minute oh yeah no no I do want to go back to that okay all right I didn't have this in until this morning. I mean, I had it in my notes, but I didn't put it on the screen. That's why it threw me for a minute. Um, I'm going to show you what God has promised. Here's the confidence. You want confidence? This is what God's promised. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We profess. He said, you want to hold on to something? Here, hold on to this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are who did not sin. He said, you need to understand first and foremost in your faith that Jesus Christ understands what you're going through because he was a man and he had to go through it too. So he gets it. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. And what what, what can we be assured of? Here's what he said. That we can receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. He said, you want to know what God has promised you? Here it is. That whatever you go through, God says, "You you come to me with it, you'll find my grace. I understand. I understand. Anything you're going through, I get. And secondly, I will give you the grace to get through whatever it is. He didn't say, I'm going to fix it. He didn't say, I'm going to change it. I'm going to make it all that. He said, I'm going to give you the grace. Is that not what happened with Paul? Paul prays, I've got this sickness. I want it gone. I want it gone. I want it gone. Three times, God said, no, 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 no. And what is Paul's conclusion? His grace is sufficient. for me. God will give me the strength to go through, get through this. That's what he's promised. So when we talk about this idea of faith, we have to understand that. So it's based on what? Here we go. First Peter four. Um, run through these really quick. Uh, Uh Uh-oh, okay. Yeah, 1 Peter 4. So then, (coughs) those who suffer according to God's will, wait a minute, does that not suffer God's will? Yeah, life of Job. Difficulty comes sometimes to God's children who are doing everything right. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful, what? creator. And continue to do to stick it out here's one of the things he says: god is a faithful creator now just think about this for a second when we talk about god doing what god does what do we find in creation did you wake up this morning and go you know what i sure hope the sun comes up i hope i don't have to spend a whole another eight hours or ten hours in darkness no you got up this morning and you know that this is day and at the end of the day, the sun's going to go down and it's going to be night. And tomorrow it's going to be day and it's going to be night. It's going to be day, it's going to be night. You know that there is, a, there is a consistent pattern in which the creator has laid out. You know as you're driving around and the fields start to change that we're heading into fall. And you know what comes next. Winter. And some of you run and go south and that's okay. I mean, if you can't handle it anymore, like the rest of us, I get that. Um, you know, I love winter. I cannot wait until a big snowstorm and I can't go anywhere. I, those are like my favorite days. Um, they are. But uh, there's a season. There's a, there's a consistent pattern to the season. And you and I depend on it. There's a consistent season to the whole idea here of um, the, the, the rhythm of creation. And that's what he said. You depend on that. You depend on it without even thinking about it. Depend on God the same way. He's He's consistent. He knows what's going on. He goes on to say this um, in the next deal. Uh, let's see. Oh, what's happening, guys? My little deal's not working. Wow. I don't know. Maybe I got a battery dying. We'll see. Because all I'm doing is punching a button. Uh, all right, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what he says. No temptation has taken you except what is common to man. In other words, look, just because you're Christian doesn't mean you get a special exclusion on life. We all go through the same stuff, Christian non-Christian. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted, some versions say tested, above what you are able. But when you are tested or tempted, he will a way out so that you can endure it. He said, look, every time you find yourself in a situation, kind of like what Gene was talking about, what Laura talked about last week, and the idea of a trap, you need to understand, the trap's there, but there's a way out, too. God promises, in every situation you find yourself in, there's a way out of it. There's a way out that honors him, and and, and that's what's important here. And he says, God is faithful. He's promised that he's going to give that to you. Then, he also talks about, in 1 John, he talks about this idea. Uh, We'll try it again. Uh, He tries talks about this idea that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. Us, and they'll purify us from all unrighteousness. The idea that, and this is where some of you are stuck. If we confess our sins, what does he do? What does he do? Forgives us. Then why do you why do you not let it go yourself? Why do you keep hanging on to it? This is, by the way, you, um, I hate to go down this rabbit trail, but I'm going to go down the rabbit trail. Uh, if we confess our sins, what does he do? He forgives us. Okay. Now, let me, quick, tr- quick little lesson, okay? Forgiveness is not forgetting. Those are two different things. Forgiveness means I won't hold it to your account anymore. I'm not going to hold it against you. In the Old Testament, the Bible says God removes your sin as far as the east is from the west. So you tell me where the east begins and where the west begins, and I'll tell you how far apart your sin is. He tells us that God is buried in the depths of the deepest sea. That's what God does. He lets it go. He doesn't hold it to your account anymore. Now, what's Satan's job? Accuser of the brethren. So you know what Satan's going to do every single day in your life? He is going to bring up your past. He's going to swim down to the bottom of the deepest ocean, bring it up, go, eh, you can't serve God, see this? You're going to run as far as the east is from the west, grab it and say, hey, you can't do anything for God. But notice what the passage says. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I... This is, we're not talking about salvation now. We're talking about the Christian growth part of it. And what I would say is, confessing our sins, talking to God about why we have failed and what we have done wrong, that aspect of it is kind of like doing your laundry. You know? You do laundry, don't you? I mean, somebody in your house does. But, you know, I mean, you do laundry. What do you do? You throw it in there you throw, now you throw, we we throw one of those old Tide Pod things in there, uh, which is really convenient. Uh, You throw that thing in there, and you decide what cycle I want to put it on. In ours, I do everything with a quick deal, and go, and some of you sort colors, God bless you. Um, Not me, all goes in together. Um, It all all goes in together, so then it all goes into the dryer, and it comes out, and it gets folded, and in our house, the mice eat it, and then Um, but I mean, you know, I mean, we get, it's all folded and then put away and then I wear it and then it gets bad again and I throw it back in. That's what we're talking about. We deal with that. I don't, I don't throw something in the washer and then it come out and then I go, I can't wear that anymore because it's dirty. What kind of sense does that make? And yet I watch Christians go, well, I've dealt with this with God and God's forgiven me for it. But you know what? I just can't serve God because I've got this. Did he forgive you or not? He's faithful. He will do what he has promised. And faith is confidence that he is going to do exactly what he promised he would do. And that's why John said, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. It's not a, maybe it's a done deal. So, you know, I want to challenge you that. So let me give you a Bible illustration of a faithful servant and an unfaithful servant and... Hopefully, it will spin it for you to help you this week. So here it is. It's in Matthew 24. Jesus is telling this story. A whole bunch of stuff in this story. Go back and read it sometime. But here's what he said. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? He said, you want to know what a faithful servant looks like? Here's what a faithful servant looks like. Whom the master has put in charge of his servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. He said, basically, it's like a guy said, you're in charge of feeding everybody here. He said, that's what it is. You're the cook. I want you to make sure everybody's fed at six o'clock every night. That's your job. It'll be good for that servant when the master finds him doing so when he returns. So the master pops in one day. He's not expecting him, and the master comes in, and guess what? Everybody's fed. Everybody's been taken care of. He's serving food at six o'clock. Truly, I tell you, he'll put him in charge of all his possessions. He's a guy you can trust. He's faithful. He's doing what he has been asked to do. He said, Jesus said, you want to know what a faithful servant is? That's what a faithful servant is. He's doing, he's, he's doing what he's been asked to do. That's a faithful servant. He goes on in the story. And then he talks about the unfaithful servant. He said, but suppose that servant is wicked or unfaithful. And he says to himself, my master's staying away a long time. And he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. He looks at it and goes, you know what? It's all about me. It's not about them. Yeah, I know that I'm supposed to be taking care of them, but you know what? The master's not around. And so I'm going to take advantage of them. I'm going to take this food. I'm going to eat and drink with my buddies. And we're just going to have a good time because it's about me. Read this passage, and he talks about what happens later to that servant. And it's not pretty. Because why? Jesus is teaching this thing of God wants us to do what God asks us to do. And if we're faithful, we do what God asks us to do. And if we're unfaithful, we become selfish and self-centered and our life becomes about us. So let's spin it back and apply it to your life today and tomorrow. So here's the idea. Faith is a confidence that God is who he says he is. He'll do everything that he, says he, has, said, that he has said and they promised to do. I wanna talk to two groups, first group. Let's talk about the salvation part of it. We each have to come to a point where we ask ourselves, what is our faith and confidence and trust in? It's in something. My challenge is for you to go back and look at what the scripture says about the fact that we are sinners in need of a savior and to put your personal faith and trust in Christ because Jesus Christ, when he was here, said, I am the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one gets to the Father but through me. Jesus said, you try to get to heaven any other way, but by putting your faith and trust in me, you're not going to make it. It's pretty clear. Now, you can either believe that, faith and confidence that God is who he says he is, that he'll do everything that he said he'd do, it, His promised to do, or you cannot believe it. But my challenge for you is to wrestle with that, Okay? The second group of people are the people who have put their faith and trust in Christ and you're standing over here wrestling with this issue of faith and faithfulness. So here's my question to you. Do you have confidence that God is who he says he is? And that he's gonna do everything that he has said that he's promised to do. Is your life this week about you, unfaithful servant? Or about God, doing what God has asked you to do. What has God asked you to do? We've been walking through it. He's asked you to be loving when people are unloving to you. He's asked you to have peace in spite of your circumstances. He's asked you to have joy when things aren't so happy. He's asked you to be be patient. He's asked you to be kind. He's asked you to focus on his goodness. Is that what what your life is about? Or is your life about you? And my challenge to you is this idea of if we're going to be faithful, then we do what God has asked us to do. What has God asked you to do? If we're going to be unfaithful, then you know what we do? We make it about us. We make our whole. So here's the question you can ask yourself and decide how you're going to live this week this coming week look back on the last seven days ask yourself this simple question how much of this last seven days was about you how much of it was about something you did for other people that that's a really good test of faithfulness or unfaithfulness doing what god has asked you to do did not has not god asked us to give our lives for others has god not asked us to serve others has god not asked us to put other people in front of ourselves so let's get really, really, really picky, those of you who are married. Did you put your spouse before you this week? Or was your week about you? Was it? You know? I mean, see, I get advantage. I know what I'm gonna preach. So I gotta jump on this yesterday. You know. So that way I can go and eat lunch without conviction. Um, you know, I mean, I, but really, I mean, honestly, because what happens in a marriage, I always tell couples when we're dealing with, with in marriage counselors, the idea of, look, a great marriage is two people trying to outlove and outserve each other. Where you get up and go, what can I do for my spouse today? And what can you do? There's all kinds of things you can do if you open your eyes to it. Here's another question. What about your kids? What did you do this past week? Those of you who have children, Just serve your kids. Kids. Life is not all about you. The sooner you can learn to serve other people, the sooner you'll actually find joy and satisfaction in life. You know, it's amazing. I'm not talking about Christian world. I'm talking about any world. It's amazing what happens when we take people out of their bubble and make them focus on somebody else. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know. It benefits them as much as it benefits the people they're trying to help. Kids, who did you serve this week? Who did you help at school this week? Let's get even more specific, kids. What teacher did you help this week? Oh, teachers aren't people. Yes, they are. What interaction did you have in the community this week? Where you actually tried to minister or encourage or help somebody else? You went out to eat this week and had somebody wait on you. Waitress or waiter. Did you serve them as they served you? That cashier at the checkout, you know, I mean, I I tell you what, you know, I I do self checkout at Sam's, but. You know, if I've got a lot of stuff at Walmart or Target or wherever else, you know, you go through the regular checkout thing. But um, my heart goes out to those people. have to deal with the public all day long like that? I mean, can you, I mean, that takes a special person to stand there and have people be obnoxious to them. And I could just look at them and go, hey, how's your day going? Thanks. You know, have a good day. How long's your shift going to be? You know, I just started. Oh, I feel sorry for you. You know, I people go, I got another half hour. I said, oh, that's great. Then what are you going to do? Like, you like talk to these people? Yes, they're human beings that we can talk to, that we can encourage, that, that we can serve, even though they're serving and taking care of us. That's what we're talking about. That is what we're talking about. Faithful is doing what God has asked us to do. And doing it and keeping plugging away at it. And that's what we want. That's what He wants from us. So, my challenge to you this week is to really step back and say, okay, how much of this week is going to be about you? And how much of this is going to be about you serving other people that God brings into your path? Because that's one of the things we're called to do confidence that God is who He says He is. And that He'll do everything that He said He's going to do. God, you want me to serve people? And that's what Andy Stanley was talking about this um, in one of the things we didn't get to at Sunday school this morning, but basically his dad used to teach him this, which is Charles Stanley. Uh, his dad taught him this. He said, if God tells you to run your head into a wall, he said, start running, and as you're running, pray that God will open a hole. So it's the idea of you do what God wants you to do. Let God take care of the rest of it. Go through, sometimes you get a chance, go through Hebrews chapter 11. Look at all the people that God used, normal, everyday people, who all they simply did, you want to know what their claim to fame is? They did what God asked them to do. That's it. There's everybody in there from great Bible saints to harlots. Why? Because they were faithful. So I end with this. As we close it out this morning, my challenge to you is we live in a world that makes faith self Focused. Real faith is sourced in a God who says who he is, and they'll do everything that he has said he's promised to do. A life of faithfulness is driven by commitment and living for someone other than ourselves. Let's pray. Lord help us, use us. Lord, it's so easy in our culture to wrap up our whole life and our whole week about us. There's people out there that we can help, that we can encourage, that we can allow, Lord, to uh, be an influence and and have an impact on. So, Lord, use us to do that. And uh, when it is all said and done, Lord, and we come to the end of this week, may we be able to look back in gratitude for people that you allowed us to serve and help. And, uh, Lord, may those people ultimately come to see the Christ that uh, we know. And we thank you for the time, these things we ask in your name. Let's stand. We're going to sing.